Thank you for tuning in to a Centerpoint Church message. Our mission is to help you take the next step in your relationship with God. We hope this message achieves that and inspires you to both grow in your faith and live it out today. Enjoy. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing today on kind of this dreary, rainy Sunday? Hopefully you're feeling nice in the AC, you got your coffee, it's going to be a good morning. Well, anyways, welcome to Centerpoint Church. My name is Aaron DeMaster. I'm the pastor here. You're in for a one-hour service with a mission to help you take the next step in your relationship with God. We do here what every good Christian church should do, which is to help you connect with God in a worshipful way and help you grow in your relationship with Him. Our style might just be a bit different than what you're used to or different than other churches in the area, but what we want you to know is we're still true to the Bible. We take God very seriously here. And we want to guide and encourage you every week you're here. Today we're continuing a newer series called I Have Doubts. And we're looking at some of the doubts many of us tend to have or maybe our friends tend to have when it comes to God, the Bible, and the church. Throughout this month, we're processing some of the hard-hitting questions that are pretty real, but they tend to flood our minds at times. Things like, like God, are you actually there? Are you actually good? Because I'm not feeling you right now. Or the times where, like, what's the deal with your Bible, God? Like, there's some amazing truths in it that I love, but then there's some things that just feel so strange or so off. What's the deal with that? Or the church. If it's really the bride of Christ or bride of Jesus... Why does it seem to be so harsh, so mean, so naughty sometimes? I feel Jesus could have found a better bride, right? Is sometimes what we think, if we just base it off of those attributes. Now I'm kidding, but with all of these, we tend to have questions. We have doubts and we have concerns, right? At least I know I have, and the statistics say the majority of you have two. Uh, 66% of us, uh, based off of this poll, yes, I still do have doubts, and yes, but I've worked through it. 66% of people have dealt with doubts. Now, the Bible says that we should all be able to see God and experience Him. In Romans 1.20, it says, For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Though everything God made, they can clearly see His invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. But just because it says that doesn't mean we don't or won't ever have feelings of doubt. I want to ask you, and I want you to think for yourself, have you been there with doubts before? Do you find yourself there now? Do you fit in that 66%? If so, one of the biggest things I want you to leave with from this series or know from this series is honestly you're not alone. You're not alone. Last week we talked about how the safest place for doubts, for questions, and for people to be curious should be in the church and it should be in the home, right? Yet that is just generally not the case for a lot of us, uh, especially a lot of you as I've talked with you. And we hope to change that. We hope to help you see that you can ask questions here with others, with a pastor, with a church leader, with your life groups. People in the church tend to feel they can't ask questions because they believe if they doubt, they must not have faith. But that is just false. Intellectual doubt is not the opposite of faith. Unbelief is the opposite of faith. Doubt is somewhere in the middle of that. Uh, if you look at the spectrum here, you have unbelief on one side, you have faith maybe on the other side. Doubt is kind of in the middle there. And there's times where we're stuck in that doubt of feeling fully faithful. 
Now, to prepare for this series, I referenced a few books, and one was called uh, Is Atheism Dead by Eric Metaxas, and then the other one's called Doubting Towards Faith. It's by Bobby Conway. And in Bobby Conway's book, he states this. He says, doubt never stays put. It's not neutral. A person will either doubt towards unbelief or they will doubt towards faith. If this is true... It's obvious people in the church need a place to process their doubts, right? I mean, that's kind of the observation, right? Especially if it's going to go somewhere at some point. So our goal in this series is to help you or your family feel safe in times of doubt, but then help you grow towards, uh, towards faith in your times of deconstruction or in your times of skepticism to help you both motivate you to deepen your faith and your relationship with God in that doubt and doubt towards faith. As we said last week, the strongest faith is a faith that never doubts. The strongest faith is a faith that grows through your doubts. We want to help you grow here. So this week, we're tackling the topic of God. Have you ever wondered or second-guessed yourself, like, is there actually a God? Like, who, like, why should I believe in God? Or what if it's all fake? What if it's all fake? Or is God really who he says he is in the Bible? And, and why does there have to be so much mystery to him? Like, I just want to know. Have you ever thought or felt any of those things before? Or wondered how to grow or move past one of those doubts of God? I think there might be people here right now feeling, I want to believe fully in God. I really do. I want to believe fully in God, but I just can't. I just can't get myself to do it. Again, have you been there? Doubt's this real thing I've personally dealt with every single one of those questions I just mentioned, along with having a desire to, I just want to believe, but couldn't get myself to do it for a while. If that's you, or if that's someone you know, the answer isn't to be ignorant to it and just let it sit, but it's to tackle your thoughts of doubt like you would any doubt you have of something important to you. Doubt is defined as this, and just like a random lookup, a feeling of uncertainty or a lack of conviction. Now, we've all had that, right? We've all had feelings of uncertainty or a lack of conviction in many different areas throughout life, right? Maybe it's your physical ability to accomplish something. Maybe it's your intellect to be able to like, do something well. Maybe it's your gut feeling, you just, you're doubting yourself. Maybe it's a claim or hypothesis. Maybe it's a post on Facebook that someone does. Maybe it's whether like, you're, this person accomplished this thing they said they did. Maybe it's even if a person's into you romantically. Who knows? In those situations, just think, what would you do then? What would you do to move with that doubt? You wouldn't just sit there. You would observe, hypothesize, make predictions, research it, experiment with it a bit, right? Honestly, you'd do essentially the scientific process. Who knew you'd be going back to middle school teaching with me in church today? But I'm actually going to take you back to the eighth grade, so bear with me a little bit. Eighth grade of Berlin Middle School, that's where it was for me. Uh, when I was in eighth grade, I had a teacher who ingrained a definition of science in every student at Berlin. And it was by forcing us to define it in every assignment. It started off super annoying because it was every question on, or one of the questions on every test, every quiz, every assignment. But then I really started to like it because there were some quizzes I didn't know any of the answers to, but I knew that one, so I at least got one right. I had that going for me. 
Well, the correct definition to science for this teacher was observation followed by experimentation leading to further observation followed by further experimentation. I had to look this teacher up this week, and uh, he passed away a few years ago, and I looked up his obituary, and there it is, top line, observation followed by experimentation leading to further observation followed by further experimentation. It obviously was important to him if it's in your obituary, right? Now, the reason I'm telling you this is when you have something you doubt in, in science or in life, you observe, you experiment with it, and whether you discover an answer you were expecting or not, you keep observing and you keep experimenting with your inclinations of the things that you have faith in. This is how we discover modern-day things today. This is how we advance as, a human, or as humans. Science, it shows us when things don't turn out as planned, they don't give up on science. They don't give up on it. They keep trying. They keep observing. They keep experimenting. Honestly, why don't we do that as Christians? Why don't we do that more with God? If you aren't feeling God or you're doubting his existence, but you have this tug still, don't give up on God. Keep observing, keep experimenting. I'm not saying that like you had to go from like to just start testing God in every area of life. As, as some of you might be like, I'm pretty sure in the Bible it says like God doesn't want to be tested. You're to just have faith. And that's true. You are to have faith. But Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, Now the faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This verse is saying we are to have faith before expecting all the answers or details of God. But the idea that faith is something that cannot exist or cannot engage with evidence is just wrong. We aren't to just leap into darkness naively or, or blindly, but we're to use our senses, use things that we can see and, and kind of research to help us understand what our inner desires, inner truth, and what God really is in the world. So if you've done an analysis of God and his ways and it doesn't come out as expected, don't give up on God. Know that you, it takes sometimes leaps of faith in certain areas, but it's not wrong for you to do further observation and further experimentation. So today, I want to I do a little bit of further observation and further experimentation with you that can help you doubt towards faith when you question God's existence. One disclaimer on this is this isn't a comprehensive argument or discussion in attempt to get you to believe in God. That's a kind of a different conversation. But today is some tools of how you can move forward in times of doubt of God's existence. And how we're going to do that is we're going to look at what Scripture says to do in our moments of doubt and why we should have faith. But before we do that, I'm going to share actually this extremely embarrassing story in hopes to create some good imagery for you on how we sometimes give our doubts too much credit at times. And I think this imagery, it's going to help you move towards faith in times of doubt, and it'll help our discussion today. The story is, uh, is actually me doubting myself that Sydney, my wife today, uh, whether or not she actually liked me when we first started dating. Uh, so, little detail, like, I was pastor at Rippin. Uh, she was just finishing up college at, at Rippin College. Uh, and we're, we were going on a mission trip. I was leading the mission trip, and all of a sudden, this girl shows up. And we're like, and I'm like, I've never met you before. And she caught my eye a little bit, like, hey. And we're like, what's your major? And she's like, oh, education in Spanish. Those were my majors. Oh, do you play soccer? Oh, I play soccer. Oh, you study abroad? I study abroad in Spain, too. Oh. All these connections. I'm like, ooh, I want to talk to this girl more, right? Like, that's what happened on this mission trip. 
Well, she dodged me the whole mission trip. She dodged me, literally. My mission kind of turned from mission trip to mission to meet this girl. I know it's kind of bad, but anyways, I eventually asked her to coffee, you know, to teach her a little bit more about the church, tell her more about the church. Honestly, that really was part of my job. And the coffee was great. We got coffee together. It was amazing. And I fumbled along asking her to a dinner date. Uh, and I was like, could I email you about dinner? What was I thinking? Email? Seriously? Come on, dude. Uh, but she says yes. And by the way, if I ever ask you to coffee, no, I'm not trying to like, connect with you romantically. This is a one-time thing. <laughs> but anyways, I'm feeling good that she said yes to dinner. I actually just got this new-to-me truck. And I'm like, ooh, I'm feeling all crisp clean in my truck. This is nice. I picked her up. Dinner was great. I like this girl. I think she likes me. I'm about to drop her off, and, and I'm going to be a little real with you for a second here. Christian dating is really hard. It's really hard to like, no, like, what's too far, what's not? But I was determined, like, on this date particularly, I'm not going to go in for a first kiss. I was determined. I'm not going to do a first, first date kiss. I wanted to, but I'm not going to. But we get to her dorm, and she won't get out of my truck. She won't get out of my truck. I do like six false ends, essentially. Like, hey, it was really fun. See you next time. Hey, maybe let's, I'll connect with you later. She's still in my stinking truck. And I mean, I'm thinking, she wants the kiss. She wants the kiss. And I'm thinking, I want a kiss, too. And I mean, I liked her, so I'm like, all right, I'm going to go in. And she dodges me and gives me a hug. And then to make matters worse, she still won't get out of my truck. I'm kind of like, bye, leave, please, right? And she goes, could you unlock the car? <laughs> As her door was locked. Well, anyways, we move on, and I, we kind of do this whole text flirting thing, and like I, we go on dates, hiking, biking, kayaking, and all that. But the whole time, I'm doubting I don't think this girl's really into me. I don't think she's actually into me. She, she dodged me. And I was in my head the whole time, too. Like, she's just trying to get you in trouble as a pastor. Like, oh, you're going out with a parishioner. Whoa, this is, like, kind of sketchy. Or she's just in it for a free meal. She's a college student. She's got no money. She's just in it for a free meal, free fun with you. She's just in it for puppy cuddles with your dog. She doesn't actually like you. And I couldn't get enough courage to address it until finally, like, two weeks later, like, 10 dates after the fact, of like looking for new signs, and things were pointing to a yes. And I went in for a kiss finally, and then the town fireworks went off. Just kidding. Maybe not quite that. But it was mutual, and the rest is history. Now, the reason I tell you this story is my doubt in Sydney liking me, it's quite similar to a lot of people who are maybe open to God, but deal with moments of doubt. For me and Sydney, the doubts remained until I addressed it, until I shut out my nagging doubts that were kind of illogical, and until I further observed and further experimented with like, where she was at with things, it, finally then I took a leap of faith to approach her again. These few things I did and didn't do are actually seen in Scripture and what God wants us to do to move past doubt towards faith. So let's cover each, and we're going to see if we can move forward from our doubts of God at times, and then maybe you could use this to get a spouse, too. Who knows? Uh, but the first, thing, the first thing when it comes to moving from doubt to faith is you've got to address the doubt. Address the doubt. 
You might need to research. You might need to find your reasonability to believe in God. For you, maybe you're stuck on the science of it. Maybe for you, you're stuck on the historical part of it or the archaeological things. Maybe you're stuck on the reasonableness to believe in a God. Maybe you're stuck on who God says he is in the Bible and it just doesn't seem to match up. If that's you, you've got to address it. You've got to address it and probably research it a bit. There is so much out there that can guide you in moving forward from your times of doubt and moving forward towards God. Good science and good Bible reading, they should align. Christians have to do their due diligence to research each, to understand and have faith that is firm and not just ignorance. Yet even in all of that, all of that research at times, we still get questions. We still are curious there's this whole uh, Christian field, actually, in the Christian world. It's called apologetics. When you hear the word apologetics, you're maybe thinking of an apology or a rock band you used to listen to or maybe a college class you didn't want to take at some point. But what it means is, is it's reasoned arguments or writings in justification for something. So it's points of justification for belief. Again, God doesn't expect us to believe blindly. There are some strong arguments and, and justifications for one to take a leap of faith to believe in God that helps that. If you or you know someone struggling with doubt in God and they want to address it, I want to give you just kind of like a three-minute apologetics nerd out for a second and give you some categories of justification for the Christian faith that can both be seen in the world and in Scripture. If you're not into this, I kind of give you like the blessing to take like a little three-minute nap for a second, all right? And then, then I'm going to wake you back up. But I want to break it down and just give you some apologetics here for a second. So the first one that may, a lot of people use is justification of creation by a creator. When you look at the beauty of the world, right? You see the work of an artist, a designer, an architect with the development and outcome of what we see in the universe today, right? Trees, mountains, animals, beauty. A biblical view is that God created in some way. We, well, almost all scientists, they funneled in on the fact that the universe, it had to have had a beginning versus just always existing is what a lot of people thought it for a while. But it's, that's changed. A lot of scientists have funneled in on that there had to be a beginning. And since it had a beginning, it needs a beginner, right? There's a famous uh, argument for this that goes like this. If you're walking in the woods randomly and all of a sudden you see a watch laying there, you don't think that's impressive how nature created that. You think there must have been a watchmaker, there must have been a designer there who had influence on this incredible thing. That's the same thing with you and the creation of the earth. Scripture affirms this as a reason to believe. In Romans 1.20 it says, For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. Another reason to believe in God is fine-tuning. Many atheists or those who don't believe in God, they believe this to be the most compelling evidence for God that they kind of try to counter. But in the last decade or so, there's been this overwhelming evidence for God, uh, and evidence that the, that the universe couldn't happen by chance. There are fine-tuned aspects of the earth that are immeasurably hard to replicate. Uh, there's a, an atheist scientist, Sir Roger Penrose. He calculated the likelihood of the universe having like this design we have currently. It's like one in 
10 by the 10 to the 123rd power. It's like crazy. Like if I would put like a zero about the size of that, it would have spread across like the galaxy essentially. That's how many like zeros would be one in that number. I don't even know what that number is. But I'll give it in a better picture for you so you understand. You're more likely to win the lottery 10,000 times in a row and be struck by lightning every single time you won than for this to happen by chance. There's so many fine-tuning details like that. Like, if we were 1% closer to the sun, we'd die. If the, we didn't have a moon, we'd die. If the tilt of the earth was like 1% different or 1 degree different, we'd die. Fine details call out the need for an intelligent creator. It takes out the random chance. It points to a God who is all about details and knowing the details. Luke 12, 7, it says this, And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. God knows details. He knows the details of things. Another defense for apologetics is morality. All humans in, innately know what is generally right and wrong. This is something that is from a creator. It's given. Uh, we have a natural sense of what is right, and that has to come from somewhere, right? Societies have, have been studied that are fully atheist versus ones that are open to God. And when objective, innate moral truth of, uh, is kind of pushed away, of trying to follow the morals that maybe God gives people, the results are unsettling of how many people struggle for drive, satisfaction, and joy. We were created moral. Scripture talks about this as well. Romans 2.14, it says, Even Gentiles who do not have God's written law show that they know his law when they instinctively obey it, even without having heard it. One more for you. The historical evidence of the Bible. The Bible's from thousands of years ago. It's undergone more tests than any other book, but scholars have been continually blown away by its, its authenticity and how like, reliable it is. The original manuscripts, the old stuff, keep being found and keep like, showing that it's true and that they're discovering like, more and more things that match up. They're finding archaeological ruins of biblical times, people, places, events that happened, and seeing like, that it actually happened underneath uh, all the dust. You can see that they actually did happen. And then Jesus, right? Jesus and his followers, the amount of witnesses who wrote about this, the plausibility, the uniformity amongst the different scriptures we keep finding and compiling is just showing that this guy must have existed. All right, nerd out over for you. Come on back if you were sleeping for a little bit during that. But all of these can guide you to have this justifiable reason to believe in God. Yet I can tell you all these things, and I could probably keep going with a few more, but you ultimately need to address your own doubts. And if you want to move towards faith, address your doubts by doing the research. When I was doubting my relationship with, with Sydney, I had, a, I had like guy talk with my friends. Like, so she like keeps going on dates with me, but she like dodged me this one time. And they're like, dude, she's into you. You know, like that, that was like one of the ways I researched. She's into you for sure. Or like I'd say something kind of, kind of flirty like to her just to kind of like gauge, like see how she responded. That was like my way of addressing it. Like of seeing like, oh, she, she actually kind of liked that. I had to personally address my doubts and take moments or little moments of leaps of faith in the action of addressing it. No matter where you are at in your doubts or your doubt spectrum with God, as you mature in faith and as you get closer to God, the more questions you're going to probably have. Following God is learning to live in the mystery, to live in tension, to live in faith. But if you discover something off, address it. 
Address it. Don't give up on faith. For you, what do you need to address today? What's something you want to process to understand better? What's something you need to know better to help someone else process better? What's the thing you're doubting, but maybe God wants you to address so you can go somewhere deeper in an understanding of it? The second principle when it comes to moving towards faith is not all doubts need to be validated. Sometimes doubts need to be addressed to take us to a deeper place, to grow, to learn. But sometimes doubts are just this nagging voice. It doesn't offer a better solution. It just nags on the one we already have. It's actually been the approach of evil throughout a lot of scripture. You can see this over and over again in the Bible. In Genesis, like with the first humans, uh, evil, when they're trying to interact with the first humans, it says, did God really say you can't eat this? Did God really say that? They're doubting. They're trying to create doubt within them. Or in Matthew, uh, when, when evil is tempting Jesus, and the tempter came and said to him, if you are the Son of God, if, Jesus knew who he was, but trying to create doubt, if you actually are the Son of God. It's these nagging doubts that you know are obviously true, but they just kind of like feed into your mind. Sydney and I, we uh, started a new show on Netflix. I feel like you hear me talk about Netflix a lot, so sorry about that. Um, we're, we're parenting too. We're figuring out how to parent too right now, and we're tired. So we watch a lot of Netflix, so sorry about that. Anyways, but there's this new show out that's called Keep Breathing. It's pretty good. Has anybody seen it, actually? Anybody seen it? Keep Breathing? Okay, a few people. Um, to give you like, kind of just the gist of it, without giving it away, this girl gets on a plane with two random guys. The plane crashes. She gets stranded, and the two guys die, but one of them just haunts her with these nagging doubts in her ability to survive. I haven't finished it yet, but I, I'm kind of excited about it. Um, but here's a little trailer that kind of explains it well. Check it out. There's nobody coming for you. Because nobody cares about you. You've got nothing. No one. In the show, she, she goes through this struggle to survive because she's stranded, she's on her own, but she also deals with doubts. And this guy, Sam, uh, he appears to her, like in her, in her mind, he's not actually there, but he's this negative voice in her head of doubts. You can't survive. No one's coming. No one loves you. To be honest with you, I can relate with this on so many levels. Thoughts or doubts in my head... Aaron, you're not a good enough leader. Aaron, you don't know what you're doing. Aaron, you're not working hard enough, or, or you're not home enough. Those people don't like you. What if this is all fake? I could have 99% certainty in something, but still question the 1% and have that become a cancer in my mind. Moments of nagging doubts, the poked holes, the picking and overly uh, deconstructive conversation of faith should not lead to this giant leap of, leap of unbelief or loss of faith, they honestly, they just might need to be called out as they are, nagging doubts. You heard me have all these doubts of whether or not like Sydney was actually into me. I questioned that she was into me romantically, and I feel like that was a valid thing when she dodged me in the kiss. Uh, 
but I also questioned things that just weren't true or rational, right? Whether she, she's just playing with me. She's just playing me. She's just trying to get me, like, in trouble at work, like, is like, ooh, like, I'm out with a parishioner, ooh, or she's just trying to get the free meal, right? Or she's just trying to have a fun time. Those doubts were just nagging and feeding into my primary doubt that I didn't address, which was, is this girl into me or not? That was the doubt. Those doubts were just this nagging feeling. We all can get caught in the same feeling, and we do the same thing with God at times, especially when we get scared. You start to question, has it all been fake? You start to second-guess motives and people. You start to doubt more than one thing all at once. If that's you, take a moment, breathe. Remind yourself of the truth you do have, the truths that you have seen and you have had, the pillars of faith, of things that you've had these experiences and these moments and these things that create your faith foundation, the good you've seen from faith, the, the validity of Scripture that resonates with you, the alternative to the truth, like, which is just like this holes like, and a demolished faith. Deconstruction of faith is easier than construction. It's easier, uh, it's easier than keeping things together to just deconstruct. Sure, there are times deconstruction or doubts, they're necessary, Sure, doubts can be meant to take you to a deeper place in belief in God. Sure, they can steer you to truth. But don't let constant nagging or little pokes deconstruct you, especially the irrational ones. Don't let them get you off track. If I were to make a guess today, I would say there are people who, here who have gone through some of those nagging doubts in their life. But more prevalent for many of you is you probably know someone going through it right now. If that's the case... Hebrews, uh, a book in the Bible, it gives us some ways of how we can help them out. Uh, Hebrews 10, 23 to 25, it says this, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of, of his return is drawing near. I underlined a few spots in here. Check this out. It, it says, Hold tightly, hold tightly, let us hold tightly, remind people, encourage people to hold tightly to the faith. Motivate one another, motivate one another to, to grow, to move past their doubts. Uh, ne- do not neglect, don't neglect meeting, don't neglect being around other people who do have things kind of figured out, and then encourage them. Are you doing that? Are you doing that? Who do you need to do that for? Who do you need to remind them of the growth you've seen in them through their faith journey? Who do you need to remind them of the beauty of being a part of a church community and seeing like how people can raise you up? Invite them to come. Invite them to be a part of that. Remind them of their past pillars that they, and experiences they do have with God. Remind them of the hope they have in a future with God. In that same poll that I started with that said 66% of people have experienced doubt at some point in their life, of those, those doubters... Most people in their time of that doubt pulled away from the church. The majority, 45%, stopped attending church when they were dealing with doubts. This makes me sad. Let's not have that happen. Doubt is lonely. Don't let nagging doubts infiltrate. And when they are doubts that actually matter, address them. Last thing, the last principle is put yourself in a position to further observe and further experimentation. Without sounding like a creeper for a second here, I observed and kind of like experimented with Sydney before I went in for the big kiss again, K-I-S-S. 
I touched her back, like, I sat close to her on the couch, I'd like hold her hand, I, I watched her facial expressions when I'd say things, I said certain things just to see, like, is she actually into me or not? I kept trying to expand my understanding of our relationship and my doubts. When it comes to God, keep growing, keep observing, keep experimenting to continue to understand God, His ways, how He interacts with you, how you can experience Him, how you can have His hope. You need to keep observing and experimenting with Him, especially in the ways He specifically tells you to. Let me paint this picture for you for a second here. Let's say hypothetically, like you've lived most of your life inside. You've been primarily an inside person. You've heard people talk about this thing outside. It's called the wind. And you can experience it and you can feel it outside at certain times, in certain weather. Sometimes not, but sometimes you really do feel it. But you're an inside person. You've never actually experienced it. You've read about it. You've researched it. You've heard stories about it. But you've never experienced it. So you doubt it. You're skeptical of it. Because you haven't ever gone outside. In faith, where do you need to go outside? to experience God? Is it in prayer? Is it in scripture reading? Is it in church? Is it being in a life group or a Bible study? Observing and experiment. If you don't feel the wind a particular day while you're doing that, you don't give up on God, right? It might just be a calm day. You need to be in continuous pursuit. That's what's necessary. And that's what will be rewarded, Scripture tells us. Hebrews 11:6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please him. Forever who would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. I hope that reward is, is him revealing himself to you. As I wrap up today, what action are you leaving with? Is it addressing a doubt, researching, looking things up, setting up a meeting to learn more about a particular area that just you've been struggling with? Is it not validating every nagging doubt or getting consumed by the pokes? Is it maybe challenging yourself to go to a position of deeper faith through further observation and further experimentation? These all can help you move towards faith in your doubts, but they all require faith and some sort of leap on your end. If right now you're realizing that you've let your doubts run your life for far too long and you maybe want to take a leap of faith to trust both that God's real and that he actually wants to be a part of your life, you believe in Jesus, you believe in his sacrifice of his life to forgive us, and you feel ready to finally move away from unbelief to somewhere on that spectrum, somewhere in that doubting spectrum towards faith, if you want that, I'm going to pray and you can give God a chance to just say, God, I want that. I want you to guide my life. If that's you, you can start a relationship with him and you're on your journey with God and hopefully going closer and closer towards faith. And hopefully it only gets easier from there. But if you've done that before, but simply just want God to be more evident. Maybe you're in a moment of doubt. Pray right now, or I'm going to pray in a second here that God would make it evident of what he wants us to do to move forward in our times of doubt and move forward towards faith. Would you pray with me right now as I close us and ask for God to do those things for us? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. God, thank you for just giving us some, some understanding of, of how it's okay to doubt, but then how we can move towards faith, a deeper faith. God, some of us right now are saying we like, we've like let doubt run our life. Right now, God, we say we want you, and we, we believe in you. We maybe don't have all the details, but we want to move towards faith, and we're, we're still doubting, but we're moving from unbelief. And God, we, we trust that you know what's best for us, and we want you to guide our life. And then, God, some of us right now are saying, God, just help us uh, get past this, this time of doubt. Help us move past it towards 
closer to a firm faith. Help us grow in our doubts so that we can have a, a stronger faith from it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.